1994, I was hired in the fall um, to be the youth pastor of First Reformed Church, South Holland, Illinois. And uh, started the job in the fall, uh, spent nine months getting to know the, the kids in the youth group at that church and building relationships with them. And, and they, were, they were kids. They were high schoolers, junior hires. They were squirrely. They were fun. Um, they, were, um, they were kids. And uh, that following summer, uh, a member of the church owned a, a pool. And a lot of people from the community and a lot of kids from the church uh, belonged to or had memberships at this pool. It was not like a country club kind of thing, just like a, a community kind of pool thing. And, uh, and he gave me a membership so that I could hang out at the pool with the kids, which I thought was kind of cool. And I remember the first time I went to uh, the, the pool in South Holland, and, and I walked through the, the uh, pool house and out onto the pool deck, and I looked up, and on an elevated chair, there were about three or four of them around the pool, and on these chairs sat these kids from my youth group with their red bathing suits and a whistle around their neck, and these squirrely 16-year-old teenagers were masters of the universe. They ran the pool deck. It was theirs. And it was kind of scary, to be honest, at first sight. It's like, what's going on here? And they were running the show. They were leading. They were in charge. And, and they were in charge because the owner gave them a whistle. And with that whistle, a responsibility. They were in charge because they were empowered to do a job by the person who was in charge. Now, their rule was not absolute, right? They were accountable to the owner of the pool, and if they got too far out of hand in terms of, you know, misusing or abusing their whistle. There, there were consequences for that. But they, by virtue of the owners putting a whistle on their neck and responsibility, were masters of the pool deck. If you read the scriptures, starting from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you'll see this theme that permeates the whole story of the Bible. It is a story of a kingdom, of a rule, of a governance that has God on the throne. Uh, I, for our purposes this morning, I called it a theocratic monarchy because when we think about theocracies, uh, you know, when you think about uh, our, our experience of theocracies, th those are not really very great. We're not talking about like the Ayatollah being on the throne or, or the Pope being on the throne or, or some, you know, human version of, of humanity ruling on God's behalf. Theocracies very well, very rarely, well, no, never go well. Uh, in human history. And we don't have a great experience with monarchies either. I mean, we don't make any movies about great kings, right? We only have movies about bad kings. That, that when you put somebody in charge, it usually, a, a human being, it, it usually doesn't go well. But the design, the history, the story of Scripture is that it's actually, I didn't know this at the time, but there actually is a word called thearchy. It is God rule. It is God reign over his creation. 
Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and all who live in it, for he established it, for he founded it. It's his, he rules over it because he created, because he's the owner of it, because it's all his. And, and the amazing thing that you find is a story that God created this amazing planet that he rules over, that he governs, and then he put humanity in charge of it. The psalmist wander, wanders, wanders at the, just the, how amazing this, what are mere mortals? that you should think about them, human beings, that you should care for them. Yet you made them a little lower than you and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge over everything you made, putting all things under their authority. God made the world, and then he put a whistle around the neck of humanity and said, run this thing. I'm putting you in charge of it. I'm giving you rule over it, authority over it. Now, as you follow through the story, that authority was relinquished in the rebellion in the garden, that effectively humanity, in turning away from God's rule and misusing and, and abusing the authority that had been given to them, gave the whistle away. And if you say, well... How does that make sense? Why, how, why, why would you say that? Well, just I mean, have you ever asked the question, why is there so much evil in the world if God is good? Well, who's running the show? We were put in charge of it under God's reign, under God's rule. It's not going well. Jesus says there's a prince in the world now who was the deceiver in the garden who now has authority over creation. If you go to the story where of, of the temptation in, in the wilderness at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, after his baptism, he goes out into the wilderness and he's tempted. And the prince of this world, Satan, comes to him and offers him all the rulers, all the, the, the nations of the world, if Jesus will bow to him. And Jesus doesn't say, you don't have that authority. He says, no, I won't bow to you. I will not bend the knee to your authority. But he doesn't deny that it is under his rule. Implications of that are a story for another week. But what I want to focus on this morning is that Jesus, when he began his ministry, announced the return of the rightful king of creation. His opening salvo, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Turn around from the, from the way that you're living and the path that you're walking on, turn around because the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is being restored. It's coming back. It's back in play again. The centerpiece of Jesus' teachings were the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God used synonymously. God rule. 
thearchy. He's, I'm taking control again. If you want to know how prevalent it is, I challenge you to do this. Just read the, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew's account of Jesus' life, and as you read through it, every time you see the word kingdom, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, authority, rule, just make a little note of it. In my Bible, I, I did this, and I put a little crown every time I saw a kingdom. And it happens on almost like page after page after page, time after time. It's a central theme of Jesus' message of what he's doing, of what he's accomplishing. At the end of his ministry, Jesus says, all authority, now that I've gone through this ordeal, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. I've taken it back. It's mine again. It belongs to me. Jesus is ruling. But his rule has not been fully established. It says that that he's basically, effectively clearing out the bunkers until all Enemies are put under his feet. Now, kingdoms have kings, and kings rule kingdoms. Right? Kingdoms have kings, and kings rule over kingdoms. And the operative word that I want you to notice is authority. That rulers rule with the authority to rule. In the same way that the lifeguard is given a whistle to put in charge, he's given the authority to rule over that realm, over that dominion. In Matthew chapter 8, context. Jesus came, Matthew chapter 4, proclaims, announces the, the kingdom of heaven is near. He drives out some demons, heals some diseases, and then you come to Matthew chapter 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is basically a manifesto of the kingdom that he's proclaiming, announcing. This is what it's going to look like when God's rule has been fully established again. And then after the Sermon on the Mount, the next thing he does is he heals a leper because he has authority over all sickness and disease. And then he comes to this. Jesus entered Capernaum. A centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion, he's a a Roman military leader, replies, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, there are a number of times that Jesus laments his disciples and their lack of faith and laments the rule and the practices of the religious leaders. 
And now there's this Roman. Jesus is a Jew. His ministry is initially to the Jews. And there's this Roman centurion who were actually the enemy of the people. And Jesus says, I'm not seeing anybody. I've not met anybody with the kind of faith that this guy has. This is amazing. What was it that distinguished this leader? His grasp, his understanding of Jesus' authority. That Jesus had the ability to heal because he had the authority to heal and his authority to heal did not end at the end of his reach. The, the Roman centurion understood that wherever his kingdom prevailed, wherever his, however far his realm extended, Jesus had authority to bring forth his kingdom rule to the ends of that reach. As far as it went, wherever it went. You see authority come up over and over again. Jesus, um, in his teaching, people marvel that he taught as one, who has, as one who had authority. He had authority to heal sickness and disease. He had authority to drive out impure spirits. He had authority over nature, demonstrated when he calmed the stormy seas, when he turned water into wine, when he took... Um, five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people. He had authority to forgive sins. Authority. If you come to the book of Acts, which is actually fully named the Acts of the Apostles, it's what happens in the life of Jesus' followers, ultimately the church, after Jesus' ascension, or after his resurrection, and then ascension. Acts chapter 1, you find um, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. It says that he, he, for 40 days he went out and continued to teach his disciples about what? About the coming kingdom of God, about the kingdom of heaven. Spent 40 more days. He'd been talking to them for three years, 40 more days. Spent schooling them on the ways and the things of the kingdom. And so his disciples come and he said, now, Jesus, we've been, you've been talking about this kingdom for three years. We've been waiting for this kingdom for three years. Now are you going to establish, restore the rule of God over Israel? And Jesus says, it is not for you to know the date, the times for that to happen. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is poured upon you. And you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Paul uses the word ambassadors. You're going to be the, 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 the carriers. Actually, more than that. I'm giving you the authority to carry this kingdom forward. He deputized his disciples. All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, I'm sending you out. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, 
to obey everything I have commanded you. I've instructed you in the ways of the kingdom, and I'm sending you out now to declare, I'm giving you the, my authority to go out and expand the realm of my kingdom and my rule. And in Acts chapter 1, he tells them all this stuff. And in Acts chapter 2, he's, we come to, to the story of Pentecost when the, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church, on the first followers of Jesus. And what you find happening in Acts chapter 2, now Jesus is in heaven and he pours out his spirit, is strikingly similar to the same things that were happening with, in the world in the life and the ministry of Jesus while he was here. And when I say strikingly similar, I actually mean identical. The same stuff. The ministry was what we in elementary school called show and tell. I'm going to show you something, and I'm going to tell you what it is that I'm showing you. Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. The Spirit comes. Tongues of fire. And people are speaking in languages, and everybody's hearing what's being said in the language of their tongue. And everybody's confused. It's like, what's going on? Some people said, these guys must be drunk. Somebody says, it's only 9 in the morning. They can't be drunk. I'm like, what is I've seen a lot of people drunk before 9 in the morning. <laughs> that does not resonate. <laughs> no. And then Peter stands up in Jerusalem and tells them, this is what's happening. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John walk up to the temple gates, and there's somebody who's there begging. And they say, hey, we don't have any money to give you, but what we have, we give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And there is, like in an uproar, oh my gosh, they got, we see this guy. He was crippled. Now he's walking. What happened? And they stand up, and they say, here's what happened. Jesus, his kingdom is coming. Stephen said, did great wonders and miraculous signs and he created a stir, drew a crowd, and they took him in before the religious rule. And he gave a speech about the kingdom of heaven. They proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of the God. And the miracles that they were doing, and they were, a little, they were, the same. They were there were dead people who were raised. There were lame people who were walked. There were impure spirits who were driven out. They were doing the same kind of stuff. But they were more than, I think oftentimes we look at and we hear these stories, the, the assumption is that the, that the miracles that they did were to authenticate the messengers. Oh, Wow. Peter and John healed these guys. We maybe sh should listen to them because obviously they have access to some power that we don't know about, so they must be legitimate. It had that effect. But what they were doing, uh, they used the word signs. Signs. Signs that were displaying the message that they were proclaiming. They were talking about the good news of the kingdom of God, 
And in that kingdom of God, fast forward to Revelation chapter 21, the end of the story, every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. There are not blind people in the kingdom of heaven. There are not deaf people in the kingdom of heaven. There are not people who are oppressed by impure spirits in the kingdom of heaven. There are not people who are dying of cancer in the kingdom of heaven. So when they were doing miraculous signs and wonders. They were demonstrating, they were showing the first fruits of this coming kingdom, announcing it and displaying it. Prayer works. Prayer works. Not just does it work, but what are the workings of prayer? How does it work? When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray our Father. Our Father. Not our Master. Not our Owner. Our Father. Sons. Daughters. Abba. Daddy, to take your place in the family of God as a son or a daughter of the king, which makes you a prince or a princess in heaven. In heaven. Now, when we pray in heaven, our tendency is to think of someone so far away out there. The scripture says the heavens are God's throne, the earth is his footstool. This all belongs to God, heaven and earth. Last week, he's our heavenly father. We're sons and daughters of the king, and he is the ruler, the creator, the sustainer of the universe. All things are under his hand. He is capable of bringing forth this kingdom. He has the rule. He has the authority. He has the capacity. Hallowed, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. When you pray, you pray as sons and daughters. You pray as the as you pray to the creator and the sustainer of the universe. Announcing his kingdom. Your kingdom, God. It's it's here again. It is among us again. Your kingdom. Declaring God's dominion. It is a kingdom. There is a rule. And it is God's rule and it is God's realm and it is God's dominion. And calling forth that kingdom. Your kingdom, dad, 
let it come here as it is there. Let it be fully established now as it will be then in my realm and enforcing that rule, that realm over what's been entrusted to you. Jesus tells multiple parables of servants who are being given responsibility, who are being given talents and treasures and vineyards and estates to rule over on behalf of the owner. This is what the kingdom is like. God gives you authority to rule again over the realm that he has entrusted to you. Where you are given responsibility. Do you have responsibilities? Where you are given responsibility. You're responsible. We're responsible for our bodies. For taking care of our health. For learning and growing. We're responsible for our homes. Whatever that is, right? The space that we live in. It's our dominion. It's our domain. It's our realm. You have a job. In that job, you are given responsibility to do things. You have relationships. In those, in those relationships, you have responsibilities in marriage or as a parent or as a son or a daughter, responsibilities. Wherever you are given responsibility, you have authority. When you bring your realm of responsibility into alignment with the kingdom of heaven. You have the authority then to rule, to enforce the rule of heaven over your realm. It, it, your home is your home. You have responsibility for it. And if you're saying, I'm bringing my realm under the alignment of of God's kingdom, into an alignment with God's kingdom, then I have the right and the rule and the authority to enforce his kingdom rule in my realm. John Eldridge says it this way, we do not have to be passive victims of life, waiting until a distant God chooses to do something. We are friends and allies, sons, daughters of our intimate God. He has given us power and authority to change the course of events ourselves. Human beings are meant to intervene, to engage, to make a difference. We can move mountains. It's in our DNA. What is that? It's in our DNA? Well, actually, go back to the beginning of the story, right? When he created us, human beings, what did he do? He put us in charge. Rule over it. When Jesus came to reestablish that rule, he is giving it back. He's putting us in charge of it again to rule over it in alignment with the values of his kingdom. 
when we pray in Jesus' name. It's not a tagline that we add to the end of the prayer, like, like we pray and then like period, okay, in Jesus' name my, my prayer is over. When we pray in Jesus' name as an ally in his kingdom, we are wielding his authority in our realm of responsibility like the lifeguard who is given a whistle by the owner to govern the pool deck. We are being given the authority through Jesus' name to rule over our dominion in the same way that my 16-year-old friends were empowered to rule the pool deck. Now, whistles are kind of scary things. I have one here. And I, when I got it, I wanted to make sure it worked, so I blew it. And it was kind of... <laughs> like, that sounds terrible. Like, These are cheap whistles. And then I like really blew it. It's like, whoa, you want to be careful with a whistle, right? We, um, we wear them when we go backpacking. And we have very strict rules about how you use your whistle when you backpack. Um, you only use it if you're lost or you're injured and you need help or you've encountered a creature that you are terrified of and you're trying to scare it away or draw the, the assistance of other people to help you scare you know, Whistles are not to be trifled with. Authority is not something to be trifled with. Which is why we go back to last week I talked about how important it is for us to grow up, to mature in our faith. Because when we're governing, when we're ruling, when we're bringing into alignment our king, God's kingdom over our kingdom and then administering that kingdom to the people in the world that we live in, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. But it is what we are called to. And it is a component of how prayer works. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are advancing the kingdom of God and the authority of God over the realm that